Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of season two of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes, pouring some coffee. Pouring some coffee. We get a sound... Like, not, a, not like quite, a Foley artist. Not quite the ASM... Uh, what is it? ASMR? ASMR. Isn't that like a turtle chewing on a lychee nut or something? I don't know. I've seen pictures of turtles related to ASMR somehow. So... There you go. There you go. Today, uh, so if you're new to the channel, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, check us out wherever. Send us an email. Send us an email. Connect to podcasts don't, don't at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> don't phone. Don't track us down with your problems. Oh, yeah. Um, so today's coffee is from Sterling, Ontario. Okay. It is, the country it's from is Uganda. Okay. And the region is Mount Elgon. Sounds like something from uh, The Hobbit. Uh, it is fully washed, varietals SL14 and SL28, which is whatever, I don't know. Um, tasting notes are molasses, chocolate, and vanilla. And uh, did I say the name of the... This is called Shady Lane Coffee from the Quietly Coffee uh, Company. And, uh, yeah, used to be a, uh, so the, the, the best kind of beans are Arabica. The old style awful coffee used to be Robustica, like the Folgers. Yeah, right, right, right. So Uganda, for most of its history, Robustica. Uh, exported primarily Robusta. Uh-huh. Robusta, not Robusta. Oh, Robusta, yeah. Yeah, it's Arabica and Robusta. Um, slightly more caffeinated, but a much more bitter cousin of the Arabica plant. Right. Um, it's the most common plant grown for special, uh, Arabica is mm. the most common plant for specialty coffee beans. Yeah, this is good. Oh, yeah. Mind you, it that might does... take me a second. I'm just sucking on a Halls there, so oh, that with, might be. With mental Olympus? Yes, that might be. Mount Olympus? Im yeah. Impacting my, uh my taste but i'll i'll keep working on it i don't know it's, sometimes i listen to the podcast after i've said it i can't believe the jumble of words that sometimes comes out of my my mouth it's clearly not entirely connected to my brain <laughs> um that's a tasty coffee uh does not taste like camp coffee no no it's some gourmet i am definitely familiar with what camp coffee is um <laughs> What did Jules say in uh, Pope Fiction? Shit, man, this is some, this is some gourmet stuff or gourmet stuff. <laughs> I don't want to get a an R rating on our on our list. So did, what did, did uh, so? Uh, do you have any dad jokes? Oh, I don't have a dad joke this week. Uh, why doesn't James Bond fart in bed? <laughs> don't know. Because it would blow his cover. Oh, okay. <laughs> My wife asked me to put, put ketchup on the shopping list. Now I can't read anything on the shopping list. <laughs> I have a, I have a lengthy dad joke. Okay. I don't know if I ever told this one. No, no. Go ahead. Okay, so this guy's at work, and uh, he notices that the guy next to him. Um, seems really out of sorts like really this is after lunch you know he seems just totally 
beside himself. So he says, Hey, like what's going on? And the guy says, can I confide in you? Because uh, I just did something at lunch. that was really stupid. And I, I just like, I can't get over it. So he was like, Oh my God, like what happened? He goes, well, I was at the, I was at the cafe, you know, on the corner and uh, you know, there was that attractive waitress and you know, I had my lunch and, and I was paying the bill and I, I wanted to say, I left you a nice tip, but I said, I left you a nice tit. <laughs> and uh, I just like, my face went red and I had to get out. Uh, I'm so embarrassed. Right. And so the guy says, Oh, that's don't worry, but it's, it's, that happens all the time. It's called a Freudian slip. And the guy says, really, I've never heard of that. And he goes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a well-known thing. Sometimes, you know, we want to say something kind of in, internally, but you know, we mean to say something else. And, and what we really are thinking kind of subconsciously slips out. It just happens all the time. And the guy goes, I'm not sure I understand. He goes, well, let me give you an example. Okay. This morning at breakfast, I wanted to say to my wife, please pass the peanut butter. And I accidentally said, you stupid bitch, you ruined my life. <laughs> See? Freudian slip. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> this oh. joke is not reflective of our relationships with our wives. It's an old joke. <laughs> Where did Noah put all the bees on 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 his ark? <laughs> I don't know. In the archives. Oh boy! Of course. Did you know that Tesla doesn't have a a new car smell? They have more of an Elon Musk. <laughs> all right. What program does a Jedi use to open PDF files? Uh, you think I'd be able to come up with this? But... Adobe One Kenobi. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. When I was little, my parents always fed me alphabet soup, claiming that I liked it, but they were just putting words in my mouth. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Boom! 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 That's a good series. <laughs> Yeah, we could go on all day with you. Ah, there you go. <laughs> My wife really likes the... Uh, uh, there's all these videos you can watch of two bros yes. trying to make the other person Sitting on a laugh. dock or something? Yeah, and on the dock. Yeah. Yeah. And they're trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I've seen that. It's good stuff. They're pretty good, yeah. especially when they get somebody to crack. Okay. Um... Things I learned this week. What the hell have I learned? You know, if we had a big budget for this podcast, we'd have <laughs> we'd have to, intro music for each section. As opposed to no budget. So yes, that would be we'd have yeah, exactly. And if we were back on the tube, we'd have like some kind of graphic for it. <laughs> like the old David Letterman show. Stupid animals, stupid pet tricks. Stupid human tricks. Stupid human tricks. We also had stupid pet tricks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So what have you learned? Well, then I'm kind of addicted to social media and I need, so I'm trying, uh, so this week is a bit of a cold turkey. I've, I've, oh, I've been, uh, interesting. Yeah. All social media? Well, is YouTube social media? Eh, I think it's in its own category. Mm. 
It has some attributes it's, that it's are the social media esque. The, 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 the uh, YouTube Shorts are like Reels and yeah, and Instagram Stories. What about TikTok? Are you all over TikTok? I'm not watching TikTok. TikTok is definitely social media, and I don't want to watch it. So it for me, yeah, it's just point. a a time sink, and um, it's not good. Ah, so um, yes. Plus the whole thing with Elon Musk and Twitter, and uh, that's just uh, for me. It's like watching a car accident. Can't take your eyes. Away. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. There seems to be a lot of things happening right now, all at the same time that are just uh, well, p- and it's pivotal fun- affairs. It's right? funny. So, like Twitter. So, I was just about to shut it down for you know a week, uh, a week of relief. And the then, problem with that well, right now is you you could come back; it might be gone. Well, this is true. The other thing is um, a friend of mine that retired a year ago and actually is now officially retired. All of a sudden, he posted on Twitter. And so I messaged him. So I'm messaging messaging him directly. You're DMing him DMing on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, through Twitter. And uh, yeah, it was a guy who we had a fair bit in common. Okay. Uh, uh, he's... Uh, He's an engineer turned photographer. Oh, wow. In Montreal or Laval, I guess. Oh, yeah. And um, was this a CEP guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so it was kind of nice. And I'm going, like, but I'm shutting this down for a week. But so I can't talk to you anymore. No. no <laughs> um, the other thing I realized is one of the advantages of doing the podcast, uh, especially when we're thinking about, um, well, Especially that I actually pay attention to what I learn. Right. So that I can, I go like, hey, this would be an interesting thing to talk about in the podcast. So then you can actually try and learn a bit more about it. Yep. Um, But what I find is, uh, is that there's lots of things I learn that if I'm not having that conscious trying to pay attention for some reason or another, um, it kind of like, it kind of washes over you like a wave and just keeps going. You don't, you don't really kind of, you absorb it in the moment and then you kind of like, somebody told me this, but I can't remember where. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the problem I have was when I do that and then it turns out I'm telling this to my wife and it's my wife who actually told me. (laughs) Yeah. I get that too. I'm the one who told you that. Oh, Oh, yeah. It was very, very clever. It was very clever. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not like disparaging it. Oh. Somebody told me something really stupid. I don't, can't be right. I told you that. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. Ha. Anything that you learned this past week? Uh, I'm sure there's, well, I've been doing this online course on marketing um, as part of my bid to get my practice reignited quickly. Um Fascinating stuff. It's by a guy named Flint McLaughlin who runs Mech Labs and uh, who is who? Uh, Mech, Mech, Labs? Mech Labs. He's a, a world class marketing guy, university professor. He actually lives in, I think, Wyoming or something now. Like, but, um, but it's, I mean, <laughs> it's a 12 hour online course. So learning lots of stuff. Basically, what I'm learning is that even the best marketers in the world really don't know much about marketing and often so he's often talking about how he's humbled so they do a lot of testing right especially now with the with the internet 
And he's just like, yeah, you know, it's amazing that for the most part, you got to just run tests and what you think is going to work doesn't work. What you don't think will work suddenly that catches on. And, and so it's much more of a, a black art than it is really a science in a lot of cases, but, but a lot of basic stuff, right? Put your, you know, put your ego in check, really try to get into the mind of, of the prospect, you know, use language that, that, so, so many of the, the, and I remember this way back from when we're still engineering so much of the, the stuff that people put on their websites, just total nonsense, right? That clients don't care what version of AutoCAD you use or, you know, (laughs) it's like, what can you do for me? So I'm learning a lot about the psychology of it which is fascinating, which is to try to really step out of yourself and almost, almost do like a, like a remote viewing exercise where you're like, okay, if I'm a, if I'm a prospect, you know, sitting in my office, like, what do I see? What do I think? What do I feel? Exactly. And if you can kind of get into that, then you're going to be not immediately successful. It's not, not a sure thing, but you're going to be better than the classic, you know, well, what matters to us. Right. Uh, so it's, it's interesting stuff. Just all these little tricks about, even just how two words can change and and because he's tracking it, they'll go like, we got 300% more responses by changing out like one word sometimes. So it's it's really deep into the psychology of, uh, of human behavior, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. Well, and, and <laughs> before we get into our topic, which is the five basic laws of human stupidity. Yes. Uh, is... Um, it made me think of, uh, so last episode, we talked about FTX. Ah, yes. And uh, I was just listening to a podcast, and apparently the extent of the stupidity is unbelievable. And when you're talking about money with it starts with a B for billions. Yeah, yeah. It's astonishing. So they had, they pro- uh, apparently, uh, they provided, FTX provided their balance sheet, their most recent balance sheet. And uh-huh. it, it basically, the top line says, some of these numbers are, this is the balance sheet for the front right. approximation. There might be typos. There's like- <laughs> There might be typos. Like, uh, some of these values are approximate only. And and then apparently like there's like this line that says, um, fiat money poorly classified, possibly missing $8 billion. <laughs> what? Like it's uh, <laughs> like they had an $8 billion- line item now fiat money is is actual money that that's that is, currency that of is, some that is missing yeah 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 it's, this is not something that just went poof um like the crypto uh, like a speculative value this if it's fiat money this is actual cash in some denomination that well, has gone missing well and and apparently so what I, do they think they are a government well and they have a um they apparently they had a uh so a bunch of their money was tied up in uh this thing called serum which uh, okay i hadn't even heard of this yet serum uh which sounds like something you would expect a marvel villain to be using <laughs> for, for or or perhaps named yes and um, i am serum exactly wow um turns out that it is uh it is one of alameda's uh researches uh cryptocurrency and it's basically the magic beans it uh, <laughs> listed at 2.2 billion dollars in assets and really worth more like 88 million 
like the 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 scale of the numbers is astonishing yes and and sbf uh sam um bankman bankman freed yes uh talked about how they bailed all these other crypto currencies it's like he was he was bailing out with ftx bailing out right cryptocurrencies that were poorly managed and <laughs> dipping into their customer and he was saying he was making fun of them for, <laughs> the, Look at for doing idiots. this and it's exactly what he was doing it's right. kind of like trump whenever trump complains a about projection yeah it's, it's a projection he's he's telling he's basically telling you what he's doing right when he says oh you're trying to steal the election no you're actually trying to steal the election yeah. you lost the election uh anyway um yeah so um five basic laws of stupidity yeah. I, enlighten me i don't okay. know anything about this so this is a little bit of context so i saw a youtube video about this with a two by two graphic which you know i'm a i'm a consultant business instructor the two by two graphic always gets my attention and uh, so i watched it and it turns out it, it was recounting some of the ideas of an italian economist named carlo cipolla who wrote a paper, or I guess it was an article in 1976, which really didn't garner a lot of attention at the time. Enough, though, that he then subsequently wrote a book, uh, which was intended to be, for an economist, you know, kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek a little bit. You know, those economists are really funny, right? But a lot of this has now, in light of our current condition, gained some traction. So he basically argues that there are five basic laws of human stupidity. Okay. So does that mean these are def defined people who are stupid or? They define stupid behavior by stupid people. Okay, okay. great. I am, I'm all ears. So first basic law, always and inevitably everyone underestimates the number of stupid individuals in circulation. <laughs> so no matter how many people you think are stupid, uh, you're wrong. There's more stupid people than that. Okay. And usually significantly more, which always makes me think of George Carlin when he talks about the average intelligent, goes look at the average intelligent person and realize that half of them are stupider than that. So there's a certain amount of truth to that. Okay. Okay. Uh, the second one is interesting. The probability that a certain person is stupid is independent of any other characteristic of the person. So in other words, there is no correlation between uh, race, gender, eye color, you know, no physical attributes, and even profession level of education um all of that love is, of clown shoes yeah love of clown shoes um like he says whether one frequents elegant circles or takes refuge among cannibals whether they lock themselves up in a monastery or they spend the rest of their life in the company of a beautiful partner the fact remains that they will always have to deal with the same percentage of stupid people because stupidity according to this guy is an innate um mindset right and it's not, so you can be very successful. And I mean, I think we're just talking about people who at least at some level have demonstrated some, some material success and still be stupid. Okay? Well, what would you define stupid as? Well, here's, this is where we're getting. The third basic law begins to decide, this begins to define it. The stupid person is one who causes losses to another person or a group of people while they gain nothing or may even suffer losses themselves. One more time. So, so a stupid person is one who causes losses to another person or a group of people while they gain nothing or may even suffer losses themselves. So as we start to get into 
you know, folks who are overly concerned with other people's business, right? And the question is, why do you care? Like, what is it that, how does this even impact you? You're like, I don't, but I don't like it, right? Or or we talk about people who vote against their own best interests. Yeah, that's common, right? yeah. And, and it, it undermines certainly a lot of people, including often themselves. So that's where he starts to define the behavior that in his mind would, would categorize being stupid. Right. 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 Um, uh, they are people who by their illogic actions, not only cause harm to the, to other people, but also to themselves. Such people belong to the genus of the super stupids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. okay. <laughs> and, and I thought I saw another video on it and then he that got into a lot of what happens with populism and, and emotionality, right? So that people actually can be, you, you don't, you can be not stupid up until a point. And then if you get drawn into irrational, um, emotionally based, fear-based uh, rhetoric, which is I think why social media is correlated now with a lot more what he would define as stupid people. It's because... Um, and there's a certain amount of group herd mentality, right? Where you begin to suppress your individual um, logic to to belong to the group, right? These are all elements of, of becoming stupid. Fourth basic law, non-stupid people always underestimate the damaging power of stupid individuals. In particular, non-stupid people constantly forget that at any time or place and circumstance, dealing with or hanging out with the stupid could always turn out to be a costly mistake. So at any moment, and he talks about because stupid people tend to be unpredictable, right? So about that right. you can be in a situation where all of a sudden somebody decides to do something really stupid for whatever reason, and you get basically caught up in the um, the collateral damage, right? Yeah. Uh, like, well, they're doing things that are not in their own best interest and or are making this so making decisions that basically are, are so what was the third one uh that damage other people or uh, and do not provide any benefit to them, to them right okay? yeah so here's what he talks about um uh, wait a minute the overestimation uh intelligent people tend to think that the stupid ones can only harm themselves and that they are therefore immune to those to their actions. This is a huge mistake, making reasonable people feel invulnerable and therefore dangerously lowering their guard. So we all must be guarding against the stupid. And then the last law, and this one is my favorite, I think, stupid people are the most dangerous type of people. Um, stupid person is more dangerous than a bandit. Than so a bandit. Than a bandit. So he defines bandit as somebody who who acts... Um, as an intelligent person who acts against the, be against the benefit of others, but in a deliberate and purposeful way, and whom can be swayed by logical argument. So in other words, if you can appeal to the rationality of a bandit, such that they can see that by damaging you, they will damage themselves, they tend to seek their own best interest as compared to the stupid person who we've already determined will act against their own best interests and screw up your shit at the same time, damaging their own selves. Whereas a bandit is more calculating. They'll go, I see your point. You know, if I, 
like if I pull the plug on the bottom of the boat, the boat's going to get, you know, it's going to sink and then we'll both drown. So I'm not going to do that. The stupid person's like, you know, like owning the libs, I think would be a great example. Well, I'm we trying, hear that I'm phrase, right? I'm trying right? to decide whether or not I think Elon Musk is a bandit or if he's a stupid person. Well, that's because, a really good question. Because right? he is doing a lot, you know, he spent 44 B with a billion with a B dollars on twitter only to eviscerate it and yeah. uh, i mean well, sure it was not making money but there are ways to uh wind up companies or slow their their expenses or deal with things and then there's what he did which is not the same i think given that if you look at he had to borrow against some tesla stock like he's this isn't like forty-four billion that he pulled out of his pocket. No, he, and he, he could throw it away and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna gamble on it." Right? This is. Uh, I think this goes into the territory of stupid because if you follow the, if you buy into this edict of self-harm, harming others for whatever reason, and and yet still causing yourself damage, I think he's damaged himself. Certainly, his reputation. He is definitely as a as this super genius visionary. Yeah. yeah right. Well, I mean, and and he, uh, I mean, he takes credit for all the companies been part of. He takes credit for PayPal, even though he was pushed out of PayPal because it couldn't get along. And he was minor, sort of a more of a minor player there too, right? Right. He, was, he, he yeah. uh, started X, and then there was something X couldn't carry on. Yeah. Which was the uh, this was supposed to be an all in one uh, um, service, and then he uh, he bought into Tesla. And into SpaceX, but cla claimed he founded both. Like I don't know if he's actively claimed. He's certainly giving the projection that he founded both, and he did not found either. Right. You know, he right. just saw somebody with a good idea and carried it on. Sure. Um, he claims he's an engineer. I don't believe he's an engineer. He's not. I don't think. I don't think certified. He ever, I don't think he ever graduated. Did he? No. Yeah, I don't think so. Don't so think he doesn't so. hold an engineering license anywhere. No. Uh, but then again, the term engineer has become a little bit much to the chagrin of engineering associations everywhere, right? Software engineer, you know, it's become a little bit co-opted. So I think he uses it in the what's well, a protected in the broad sense of what he feels he does, right? Which well, it's is a protected to, title in Canada. I right. don't think it's as protected in the US. No, I don't think so. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, you have domestic engineers. You know, very few practicing engineers in, in the US, at least this used to be the way it was, would get the PE. Because like it was you don't, hard. And you don't need it in a lot of cases. Like if you work for a company, if you work for Boeing, you can have an engineering degree and do engineering and you don't need to have the PE because right. the corporation basically PE is a professional engineer. Yeah, somebody at some level has it, right? Whereas here they tend to be you can't even call yourself that if you don't have the the designation. Even so, students that like people who yeah. have graduated or in the process of getting their certification, they they're not allowed to call themselves engineers. That's right. Yeah. Uh there's a big debate with Microsoft or big fight right? Because they had a designation, Microsoft uh, systems engineer or software engineer. Oh, Microsoft they, certified engineer. Right. Can't use that in Canada. No. So anyways, be, beware of the stupid. They are among us. <laughs> and it seems like 
part of our challenge with populism and social media and echo chambers is it tends to, I, I think it's like a mutant factor. <laughs> you get exposed to it. And even though you may not be stupid now, I think all of us could be prone to becoming uh, uh, inflamed by emotion and turning into stupid people. Well, I think that's kind of interesting because I think the problem I see uh, or on the bigger scale is that, uh, especially now with this polarization of politics, that the polarization of politics has attracted stupid people, right? Like people are making comments or decisions and stuff without any basis and are so, I mean, like uh, there's a, there's a local reporter who writes opinion pieces in the journal. It drives me absolutely bananas <laughs> because he focuses on certain subjects. Right. And can't get off of them. And uh, so like, like, you know, there's all these people that uh, talk about. Um, so, you know, in Alberta, it's an oil and gas province, which is the main economic driver. Um, but as a society or, or has been, has or been. was, and, but as a society, we need to move on from that. Absolutely. You know, whether it's fast or slow, it doesn't really matter. Right. And that's not really going to fundamentally change the demand for oil and gas right now. It's just right. in the longer term, we've got to move away from it. That's right. So certain things like solar or wind, those are now the problem with those is they're not continuous, but they are good sources of energy. I mean, I have solar panels on my yeah. house and oh my God, that's certainly reducing my carbon and footprint. as as a battery technology continues to get better and and these are somewhat transitional technologies right but but so the thing that gets me and that chokes me up is basically people who are blindly adhering to the oil and gas mantra think of solar or or wind as anti-oil and gas yeah as an and, affront and i'm going like these are stupid people. You're going this like, would fall into this the stupid is, category. This is like if you can afford the infrastructure to put solar in or wind in, right. you get free power. Yeah. You, you it's get, the death knell. You of, get free power. Yeah. Right. For as long as your system works, you're getting yeah. power and you're not paying for it. Right. How is this a bad idea? <laughs> right. And it doesn't create any greenhouse gases. That's right. Doesn't, create anything this is just a natural it may be the same thing if but you what had a hydroelectric power yeah, but what it threatens is i think a couple things the the um the status quo for which in some ways almost even in the past now right like we've lived here a long time and you know there's always been this trope of I mean, for a while we had the lowest high school graduation rate in the country because you didn't need you didn't need a high high school diploma. You could go and get a high paying hundred thousand dollar. That always seems to be the magic number, right? Hundred thousand uh, dollar job with you know being seventeen and going working up in the patch and driving whatever driving trucks and whatever. And that shit is it's gone. It's past. And yeah, you know Tony Seba, who's an economist out of um, uh, Stanford wrote a great book and it, it it outlies a couple of things. First of all, that old adage about we didn't move out of the stone age because we ran out of stones. It seems a little silly, but when a new technology comes along that is better, there's a cost curve. At first, it's always more expensive, but ultimately as 
it's economies of scale and, and the learning curve, eventually it becomes more and more economical, right? And that's where some of this stuff is headed, right? And when you hit a certain magic number, and I think it's 10 times, when something becomes 10 times better than the old technology, it doesn't matter. The old technology is gone. It's out the door. Interesting. Right? And the other thing that happens is that, and oil and gas is perfect for this because it's not all uh, apples to apples, right? In Saudi, they put pipe in the ground and boom, crude pops out and it's like, you know, ready to go. You know, here it takes a lot of energy, a lot of, a lot effort, of effort, right? Yeah. And so you start with the highest cost of the old technology. That's what goes out first because again, non-stupid people or even unconscious people, the economics always works the same way. Yeah, yeah. If there's a cheaper alternative and as the demand begins to shrink, shrink people always go, the last man standing is the cheapest alternative. And that's not us. It's just not. <laughs> I don't care how magically you try to wave the wand and say, eh, blah, blah, blah. It just, the economics, you know. And the big question I think right now is when? Like what's, like when does it fall off the table? And I, that can be debated because, yeah, you know, Putin's helping us out here to keep oil expensive for a while, but take it out over 5, 10, 15, 20. The writing's on the wall, man. Well, you know, it's interesting because, uh, so uh, my wife uh, flew back on a flight. She flew on KLM and uh, she went to Amsterdam and back. Right. Now, when you buy the tickets, you, you are given the option to buy carbon offsets. Right. Nice. And uh, so they gave uh, two options, right? Like you, one option is you can buy trees, like they'll plant trees. I was about to, to say, you can plant a tree. Offset nice. carbon. So you pay for that. Yeah. I think. Uh, uh, and the other option is you can use a sustainable... A sustainable environmental uh, uh, fuel for the plane. Like you basically buy fuel that is, and I don't know what the details are, but it is described as being an environmentally uh, a more uh, sustainable source of fuel for the plane. I thought I heard. So here's the catch. To get trees yeah. to offset her flight to Amsterdam, 14 bucks. Yeah. To get the fuel, six hundred and thirty-two. Right, <laughs> which is as much as the cost there of the you flight. Go. But that's but that's the reality of the economics yeah. stuff. Always, like, what was the first PC? Right, remember oh, yeah. when the first? I, I was in grade school, and I remember my first job out of what they started showing up in schools, which gives you an idea of today. They probably wouldn't even buy them. They'd be like, it's too too expensive. First company I worked for after university, they still had their first computer that they'd bought, you know, uh, maybe 10 years before. So it would have been around like 1981 or something. And they're like, yeah, the company paid $25,000 for this computer. And it was like, even 10 years later, it was like a brick. It's like, wow, right? What does a PC cost you today? Like you can get a- Two grand. Know, yeah. For oh, a really, can, well, that's can, top of that, the that's line, a, that's man. A, that, yeah, that, that's a you know, that's a good good piece. I bet you, you go can on buy, you, can buy, you can buy a Chromebook for like six hundred bucks, right? Or even you wanted bucks. to get a PC for, let's say, your your reception desk. You know, the business four hundred bucks, maybe. You know, so okay, it's been forty years, but this shit's gonna 
like once that it hits that tipping point, those prices just drop like crazy, right? Yeah. So so anyway, the yeah, the the that is anyway. It but I think this whole polarization of going back to the five laws of stupidity. Yes. This basically is um and and I, I think I've talked about this before. I I think people are cheering for the laundry, right? The cheering for the what? Laundry. Have I not? No, this is okay. Tell me about this. This is great. So with with uh, sports teams, right? right? Oh, whatever yes. sport team, it doesn't matter who's playing on the team. You're only really cheering for the laundry. Yes, the player could be on your you. team today That's and right. a different team tomorrow. Yep. Um, and I think, uh, especially in the states, um, but we're not immune to it in Canada. There is kind of a lot of people that are cheering for the laundry. They're either right. left or they're right. Those descriptors are kind of meaningless at this exactly. point in time. But they, uh, but uh, so people who are on the right, you know, they're just cheering for anything that comes out of the mouths of their, their, the, the people that are on. And, and regardless of how stupid or inane it is. Right. Right. Like the Pierre Polivier, like he gives like crazy simplistic examples yeah. of everything. He has no idea. I, I mean, and even like a uh, couple of pieces of wood to well, explain like the, the economy. Well, and, 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 and <laughs> I think I, I we talked about on? it in the last episode where, you know, the, 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 the current UCP government is basically saying, Hey, we've restored. Yeah. They're, they're, they're basically <laughs> handing you back your money and saying look at how good we are right yes uh well and it's like the cat is well because we talked about it last week it's like the arsonist setting fire to your house and then putting out the couch and says yeah. hey uh, put out your fire on your couch and uh you're going like yeah but you're the one who lit it like it's just so people are going oh look how great they are they're re-indexing age i'm going yeah you de-index i had a thought this morning and i mean we could go and maybe we'll re-explore this some other time. But and this is going to be controversial. But you just reminded me when you said cheering for the laundry. So the, the this morning I read the newest idiocy, and I mean it's an hour ago, so there could be two or three more idiotic <laughs> things since. Was again this this polarization, this otherizing. Now saying we want to keep the money that the national parks in our province collect oh, yeah. in our province. Right. Again, people have immediately get on Twitter and are going, that's not how it works. These are national, you know, it, and besides we don't send that money to Quebec. The national parks head office happens to be in Gatineau, but it doesn't mean it's in Quebec. Right. But again, it's just nonsense. I'm going to postulate that when you really think about it, and this is going to be controversial, there is no such thing as Alberta. There's no such thing as Saskatchewan because it's not like a country, right? You want to move to, you know, I pick up, sell my house. I move to Saskatchewan tomorrow. Now I'm a Saskatchewan guy, right? Give me my potash. Give me my, right? Everybody could move here and say the exact same thing. Where's our oil and gas money, right? There is no, it's just a geographical boundary. There's no real, I mean, some people are maybe emotionally tied to it, but it's kind of a construct. And I'm yeah. going to take you one further. Conservatives always talk about you know, run the country like a business. If you're running a business, what's the first place you look to cut? Your expenses. Yeah. Middle management, right? We have municipal governments. We have a federal government. In the old days, it made sense. Technology, right? I'm beginning to wonder, 
what do we need provincial governments for? Like, what do they really serve? They're, they're a middle layer, right? So your city it cleans your snow, yeah. right? Deals with the Federal local. government with technology is able to really deal with a lot of the stuff. What do we have this middle layer of, like, what do they really serve, right? That's and I'm going gonna, gonna to make a huge prediction. 100 years from now, I bet there are no more provincial governments. It's going to be municipal and some kind of central government. Well, I'll check up on really you in 100 years serve... to, to see if you're now, right or not. This is just a new idea. And, and I, honestly, I'm going to start, you know, if I want to pursue it, I'll look into it. I'm sure there's some rationale, but it is kind of a middle layer of management. You, you do have to start thinking, if you're going to run it like a business, where would you look to cut, right? Well, I think, you know, so uh, so from a, a government... This show's going to take off. It's going to explode. We'll have 10,000 <laughs> listeners and a lot of hate mail. We're here. So one of the things that's really interesting is... So I have some friends who've worked in government. And um, one of the problems is you end up with... Uh, with different political parties and polarization, they tend to attract certain classes of um, and categories of uh, candidates. Right. Right. So you'll get people that have lots of experience in some area, but are totally unfamiliar with other areas. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I'm on a board where I see that we have people who are on our board where uh, social workers and uh, childcare workers and massage therapists and all that stuff, they are, they have, understand the need to be thoughtful and think about people and care about people, right. but can't read a balance sheet. Yes. Don't know what an income statement looks right. like because they've never been exposed no. to it. And in the provincial government, a friend of mine who worked uh, in the provincial government, and he, he said it was really interesting going from the PCs to the NDP because the NDP, they did not understand a lot of the financial system, how it works. Right. They're dealing more with the social and the other kind, the philosophical impacts of how things work, but we're really struggling with certain financial concepts and all that stuff. Um, and then, and then when the UCP, it was even worse because uh, they didn't even understand the first part. <laughs> so, um, um, because it's, the UCP is not the same as the PCs. No, no, absolutely uh, not. PCs were kind of always had a bit of a reputation of being kind of a, a fiscally, fiscally conservative, but right. fiscally responsible. But what's really happened in the last little bit is that they're not. They're absolutely not. No, no. They're the worst because they say, oh, we need to reduce taxes to encourage the economy. Well, yeah, well, you reduce tax and they basically say the only people that can deal with deficit are conservatives because we have got the business background. We can deal with the financial. Yeah, they but know what nothing. they really do is they want to reduce the taxes for their base. Absolutely. And then then the government doesn't have enough money to pay for the services this that it's supposed to be. Milton doing. Friedman 101, you know, so you know who I like? And this is how I get out of political discussions here in Alberta. Who do you like? Well, I grew up in Montreal. I grew up in Quebec, right? So yeah. I, at heart, I'm a liberal. <laughs> I love the liberal party. And I'll tell you why. Centrist party, they know enough about the social stuff. And they know enough about the money stuff to, you know, steal without getting caught. And they ride that center rail to say, we got to invest a little bit to keep 
the people happy, right? It's like Roman, it's like bread and circuses, right? Give them not everything they want, but enough so that people are comfortable. And then over here, you know, we're doing the fiscal stuff. And if every now and then, you know, a few dollars falls off the table and, and falls into somebody's pocket, hey, that's the reality of capitalism. And they ride that middle rail and often shit gets done. Well, it, it's one of these things where uh, I, I remember a friend of mine said that uh, that uh, if you're a liberal, you're the ultimate contortionist because you can uh, sit on the fence and have your ear to the ground at the same time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now, and the the rea- and but what, what, to your point, reality requires, I think, a certain amount of eh, what's the word I'm looking? Not moral uh, laxness, but uh, flexibility. Yeah, right? pliability or yeah. uh, um, uh, what do they call that? Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. Yeah, right? because they, it's not uh, a lie if you believe it yourself, like George Costanza said. <laughs> no, but it. Uh, I, I met a I met a psychiatrist who told me for me the most mm. profound thing that um, rigidity is the opposite of mental health. Right. So basically, if you are absolutely rigid in whatever you think on either end, on any any on end, either it doesn't, end of the spectrum, yeah, right, you right. are not healthy, no, because there's something wrong, yeah, and um, so yeah, so pragmatism, pragmatism, and being able to roll with the punches, exactly. and uh, yeah. So anyway, there you go. So we've done it again. We have we've... talked about something controversial <laughs> by talking happening? about stupid people. <laughs> we got to FTX again. We talked about Twitter briefly, <laughs> and we talked about Alberta politics. What the hell is going on? I know. I guess it's just pervasive. So let's <laughs> maybe. Hey, let's talk about Christmas next episode. Let's make oh. it about. What the hell is wrong with Christmas? No, no, I'm talking about why we love Christmas. Why Christmas is important as, and you know, what what makes Christmas special? Yeah. We'll have our Christmas we'll, special, what makes Christmas special? Let's pull this thing out of this nosedive and do Christmas. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because it'll be the beginning of... Uh, beginning of the month of december yeah uh, we'll put go. our christmas decorations on Ooh, where my uh, uh rudolph uh, uh uh reindeer ears <laughs> that's a good plan red yeah. nose <laughs> last year i did songs i gotta come up with what am i gonna do this year for christmas <laughs> okay uh right. hey media what media you can media and or and or so you're all caught up yeah and, so the, and uh, the the final episode for this season drops tonight. That's what you were saying, yeah. And uh, same thing for the peripheral. The final episode for Ooh. this season drops on Friday. I haven't started that yet. Oh my god! And, I am like uh, that show is uh, mind blowing. It has right. has um it has big. For me, it has like big big uh, movie kind of chops to it in a way that you don't usually see in a tv show um it's got some really nasty villainous people right it's got people you don't know if they're villains or not and there's got some uh your heroes are not perfect right so it's uh very interesting feet of clay cool so anyway uh yeah yeah i'm definitely going to watch it after i'm done well, and what's really Andor, interesting is and, uh, is uh, I watched uh, the episode on um, 
that dropped last Friday, which yep. was the seventh, I think. Okay. And uh, I think it's an eight episode episode. It's either five or or eight, and it's one less than the total series. And um, but my son was there, and so I started watching the first one again just so he could watch part of it. Right. And I'm going like, I missed that. I miss that. That's important. I miss that too because ah, so you don't. There's no. Yeah. It's got definite rewatchability because there's things that are happening and like going. Ah, they I'm don't make sense sure until that makes later. way more sense. Ah. And I'm going like, I think that has way more significance than I thought it did. So they they've taken a page from the MCU playbook where they're setting stuff up and you don't even know what's happening. You, you had, yeah, well, because they and don't really explain like, stuff. Remember Ant Man too. That guy who was in the the booth turns out he's really important to the whole yeah, exactly. Kang Dynasty thing, and you're like, that's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, did we talk about All Quiet on the Western Front last week? No. So we watched that on Remembrance Day, the the remake on Netflix, and uh, whew, boy, it's uh, was it it's good? heavy. It's really good. So All Quiet the Western on the Western Front is a, is a World War One story mm-hmm. written by, I believe, a veteran uh, who was German. So it's about the futility of the end of the First World War from the German perspective. And so the way my son put it, man, it's going to stay with me for a long time. It's it's not a happy movie. It's not a it's well done. It's just yeah, it's one of these. Just put it this way. It's a great movie for Remembrance Day to put you in that mood of reminding sacrifice and just how absolutely ridiculous uh, humans can be, but well done. Really well done. I didn't even know that they had done a remake of that. So there you go. Very cool. All right. So next week, the Christmas episode, the Christmas. Well, yes, that's right. Yeah. Christmas thinking about why is Christmas Christmas great? Why is Christmas great? Sounds good. Uh, Have a great week. All right. Thanks. Take care. (laughs) You too. Bye.